And we are live back with another episode of Shifting the Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torin Kearns, and as usual, I'm joined by the autism stage herself, Mama Baden. How are you? I am good. And just because today is December 8th, which is the anniversary of our podcast um, being launched. and It is? Yes. And we have an awesome guest um, to celebrate that. But also, I just had my second grandbaby. So I just have to say that on record. <laughs> Literally, like 20 minutes ago, she was born. <laughs> so super excited. Congratulations. No, so I'm doing Congrats. good. The sun's not shining, but I have a new grandbaby. So I don't care if the sun's not shining. Perspective. That's so Stacy, do you want to introduce our guest? All right. So... This is um, LaTanya um, Winfrey, and Torin said, Torin said, can you tell me about her? And I'm like, um, she's an awesome mom who did the work before we talked about doing the work, and she's just doing awesome stuff, and he's just a nonprofit, and he's like, okay, um, so can you tell me about, like, a little background? <laughs> I'm like, all I know is she's an awesome mom, and she's doing awesome work, <laughs> and she, so that is my introduction to you is you are a parent that has invested your time, your energy um, into not only your child, but also your community because you have started a nonprofit, which I want to talk about because I'm always trying to promote things that we can support in our community. Um, but why don't you tell us a little bit about um, you in terms of your kiddo who's not a kid much longer? He's 14 now. Well, I am the proud parent of a 14-year-old son. Um, he is a ninth grade student at one of our non-traditional high schools here in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, we also have a nonprofit where we seek to assist families almost with, okay, I have this diagnosis. Now what do I do? So we try and find answers to their questions. And we also try and provide them with a virtual information series where they can uh, have some of those questions answered. Stacy has been one of our guests on one of our virtual series. And so we just try and bring them information, including like financial planning, things that they will need oh, wow. to know in the future to help their families. I like that. I didn't know about the financial planning. Mm -hmm. um, and that's like an important part that a lot of people, I don't want to say gloss over, but with all the like big rocks, like how to deal with meltdowns and sensory and all that stuff, people kind of forget about some of the smaller things that are very important, but just sort of all between the cracks sometimes, all the stuff you have to remember. So I think that's really awesome. Thank you. It is. When you think about, oh, we want them to get out and be independent and have a job. Uh, did you teach them about finances <laughs> when they get the job? <laughs> Do they know how to manage their money? Uh, so Latanya and I were talking, Torin, before we started recording. And it was funny because both of us got on the Zoom and we must have both been thinking the same thing. because we were like, and how did we meet? Like, it's a blur. We have no idea. Um, I'm assuming... I'm assuming that it's Facebook, maybe social media. We connected. I'm looking through the messages to see if there's like an initial. <laughs> That's what I was looking through. I did find the initial message. I uh -huh. asked you about a motorcycle ride that they were doing in April. I think that's where our messaging started. 
<laughs> it was the Puerto Rico motorcycle autism um, uh, fundraiser they did. And I was posting on social media. That's so funny. And, <laughs> you know, uh, when I when I have this kind of long term connection with families uh, and parents, mothers in, in particular, that we just met on social media and then we just keep talking and communicating. I am always fascinated that uh, when I reach out and I give all this information that people keep talking to me because I just go full force. Like you have to read this and, da, 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 and all of that. Um, uh, some of my moms, I'm even, I'm even surprised when I say, I can't believe you responded to this crazy lady who you don't know who says, Hey, do you want some of this? But I am so glad that we are here and um, we need to do another video series for your nonprofit. Um, yes. So that we can, can get some more information out. But I wanted to, um, I am invested in parents. You know, I believe parents can do the work. And so I would just like for you to share for our listeners, because we're trying to build a community, right, of shifting the narrative. You know, just what made you feel that not only do I want to dedicate my time to my child, which is a lot of work, but I also want to dedicate my time to my community so that others can can have support. Um, so tell us a little bit about that and how it became this wonderful nonprofit. Well, at the beginning, when Joseph was diagnosed, I didn't know anyone who had a child that was diagnosed, who might have been diagnosed themselves. You were just starting to hear the word autism. And like, what age was he diagnosed? Know. I'm sorry for cutting you off. Say it again. What age was he diagnosed? He was around 18 months. And so me being in the education field, I immediately sought out like early intervention programs. Because I'm like, I don't know how to navigate this, but I know where he needs improvement. So let me see how I can find help mm -hmm. for that. So we sought out and he started around two years old with Tennessee Early Intervention Systems. And they would come to the house to provide speech services for him. So me not knowing how to navigate that with the nonprofit, I wanted to have options for parents. And then I just started building relationships with other people that I saw through social media and attending events that they had, inviting them to events so that parents can navigate that. Even being a school counselor, you can tell on parents' faces like, OK, I, I don't know what you're talking about with these abbreviations and <laughs> what does this mean? And will my and giving them hope, that was the part that I really wanted to do. Like, just because your child has this diagnosis, do not slight them and count them out. They can still go wherever they need to go and do whatever they need to do, just a different way. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, and, you know, I I. I love the fact that you thought about, I didn't have anyone that I could talk to. And so I want to provide that to other parents, because I do think it's important for parents to talk to other parents, <laughs> um, um, if not for just support, just to learn about resources. Uh, so thank you so much for doing the work, uh, because the reality is if we don't build our communities um, and we don't take our own initiative, um, uh, it's not going to change. And no one is going to say, oh, you know what? I think I need to do something for the autistic community and the parents. And no one's going to say that. So if it needs to be done, we have to do it ourselves, right? The parents have to do it. Um, and I just believe if it's not there, then we need to create it. 
So it wasn't there for you and you created it. And yes. Awesome. <laughs> um, Torin, do you have any questions? Because I know I have a bunch. Yeah, I have a couple. But one of the things that struck me with what you're saying so far is, so we interview a lot of parents and many of them have some sort of nonprofit or they're involved in some way in the autism community. They do some sort of company, some something where they are creating things to solve a problem because nothing else is available. And I noticed that seems to be a trend among, excuse me, really successful autism parents, parents that are really sort of owning it and helping their child in the best way that they can. So what do you think are some of the qualities for you personally that what are some of your personal qualities that made it so you were like, okay, I don't have the resources. Let me create something. Um, I think personal qualities, just my experience in the school system. So I've been um, a teacher since 1999. So just my experience in the school system. And I reached out. So I tried to use the resources that I had within that um, to build a system because I don't want to give out information that's incorrect or more opinionated information like parents need the numbers and the facts and this is where you can go and it's a reliable resource that I'm giving to you. So I try to network within the system because I grew up here. So I'm really reaching out to people that were either my teachers or people that I've worked with to try and build that community. And also um, just talking with parents, like, what do you need? Because I'm a parent too. So I could see it from both sides, the personal and the professional, and then bringing in what I knew after that and trying to create that support system. No, that's that, that's awesome. That's awesome. And you hear stuff like that, like I said, to reiterate so often. And I just wish we could like bottle that <laughs> and just give it to parents. I know, I know, I know, I know. Everybody has a different journey, but I'm glad you have that. Um, you know, the talking to people, I think is, you know, I hear you saying, I'm reaching out, I'm talking, I'm networking. And that is so important. Like you have to talk to other people in order to um, build something, but also to support yourself and, and, and find out what's out there. Um, find out which teacher, which school, like which one to stay away from. Like that's how you find out to avoid those circumstances. Uh, so I have to, uh, I have to, to go into um, why we're here today. Um, in terms of today, I was watching television, and you know I don't see your feed all the time. You know algorithms. I mean, you know. Uh, Facebook literally controls what we get information on. And so I'd not run across your page in a while and I'm watching television. I'm like, um, uh, what uh, is that Joseph? And like, I think that's Joseph. And I'm like screaming. I think that's <laughs> Everybody in my house is like, what? And I'm like, and I'm like, I didn't know he was going to be on a commercial. So that's when I sent you the message. And I was like, you know what? She's been on my list of folks to reach out to. I think we need to do it now. So I have to hear the Chick-fil-A commercial story. Um, that's exciting. <laughs> listeners don't know, but if you've ever seen the Chick-fil-A commercials and they have like, you know, the commercials with them on the sofa. Um, so Joseph and Latanya are on one of the commercials, which is so just... <laughs> <laughs> well, with him, okay, so... 
Chick-fil-A is an everyday thing with us, except for Sunday, and that's only because they're closed. So he wants Chick-fil-A each and every day. That's his thing. So the year that COVID hit, we weren't able to do that. So, well, we weren't able to go out, be out among people. So we ordered Chick-fil-A and had Chick-fil-A shirts and a Chick-fil-A cake. And a lady on Facebook reached out to me and was like, hey, I know some people. Can you write up your story and include some pictures and send that in? And I did. And then they had a little things submission you could do. And I sent in the exact same information and they contacted us maybe, I want to say like two years later, it was two years later. And so um, I did not initially tell him, I didn't want to get his hopes up for anything. So I didn't tell him until the week we were supposed to travel to Atlanta to film the commercial. (laughs) And so he had the interview with them, um, on the Zoom, kind of like this, he had the interview with them. And then we went down to Atlanta to video the commercial, videotape the commercial. And so that was in June. And then they aired it initially in August. Mm -hmm. So it's been running since August. And I think it's going to run to the end of the year. So does he get free Chick-fil-A after doing the commercial? They they did provide (laughs) some incentives. For him for doing the commercial. So I think, I think that anybody who does a Chick-fil-A commercial should get free Chick-fil-A for yes. life. <laughs> At least for, for a certain amount of time. But yeah. what, what was the experience of the actual filming with the lights and the cameras and the travel? Were there any uh, extra considerations you had to do because your son's on the spectrum or was it kind of all Gucci? Um, not as far as traveling. And one thing that I did with Joseph, I tried to put him in every situation, whether uncomfortable or not, so he could get used to it. So he's probably, I tell a lot of people, he's probably one of those kids where he doesn't like loud, loud sounds, but he's the loudest person I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's him. So, but they were very attentive to his needs. And not just because like that child labor person representative comes on the set, but they prepared me. Do you need someone to be with him? So I took my mom with me in case they needed me over here and him over here. He would have a familiar face with him. Um Another commercial was recording before we taped ours and they would pause. Um, Miss Winfrey, they're about to release the set. So a lot of things are going to start happening. Noises, movement. And I'm like, he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> like our church is loud. He's fine. <laughs> but he um, every step of the way, they were asking about stuff like, well, what does he prefer to eat? And we would like to give him a souvenir. What do you think he would like the most? They they were already in preparation for him and his needs. So I did appreciate that. But some people just throw him into it and he's like, oh, like what's and, going and, on? And you mentioned that you've gotten him used to a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were some examples of that? And how did you get him like accustomed to different sorts of situations? Um, just taking him like church. It was a struggle at first. He didn't, 
He's not the child that's going, well, what child will, but he wasn't the type of child that will sit and enjoy the service. <laughs> but eventually he learned and then he moved on up until uh, he was singing with the youth choir on youth day. Um, and then I took him to a monster truck jam. You know, that's like the noise is a lot. And I took him, I don't know what I was thinking. Like we just walked in. And as soon as we walked in, he just covered his ears and it just, I'm telling you with me, God places things in certain places. And the minute he covered his ears, it was a man standing in front of us selling the noise cancellation headphones. That's awesome. I was like, I need a pair of those. <laughs> and, and a follow-up to that. And I'm sorry for hogging all the time. Stacey, no, you're good. But recently I got into a bit of a debate on Instagram mm -hmm. over. So someone, some parent, I think, uh, posted something saying how she took her child to this, parade with the fireworks mm -hmm. and the caption says yes there's like a 90 percent chance for a meltdown but i did this but i did this for me and then she wrote about yes it's selfish but like i want to do stuff for me and i'm willing to deal with the meltdown and i sort of took that some sort of way mm -hmm. because while you want to i believe you need to encourage your child to do some new things sometimes and expand their palettes and their horizons the quote was 90% chance for meltdown. So, which I felt is excessive. So like, so you know this is going to end badly and you're doing it anyway because you're selfish. Do you even say it's selfish? What do you think is the... And then when I, when I point this out, I had parents saying, well, well, then we'll never do anything. We'll never leave the house and the kids will, will never get accustomed to stuff. So where in both you and Stacy, in your opinion, where do you think that line is on getting your child to experience the world without throwing them to the wolves and overwhelming them. So I'm going to answer based on what you said, LaTanya, besides the fact that that post, I haven't even seen it and I'm already infuriated, right? Um, because when you become a parent, sorry, it's not about you anymore. I'm exactly. so sorry. Alarm, notice, PSA, when you become a parent, when you choose to parent, whether you wanted the pregnancy or not, you chose to parent and keep that baby and raise it. It's not about you. However. Some people don't believe in that and that's their choice. But what I will say is what I hear from you, LaTanya, is you didn't force him, expose him and traumatize him. You mm -hmm. brought him out. I know you just based on the years that I've known you. Joseph knew that he was supported. If Joseph needed to leave that environment, you would have left that environment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Joseph covered his ears. You bought noise canceling headphones. So I always say to parents, it's not that you can't go anywhere. You And maybe you can't for a couple of years because they're three years old, but you can't go anywhere and not provide support. And that's really what it is. It's about supporting them, whether it's going to the park before you go to a noisy place or getting noise canceling headphones. There's a balance, right? And exposing in a safe way where they're willing to take risks because they know that they're supported um, because it's not about just stay home. Now I have, you know, I do give advice to parents when kids are little and their neurological system is very immature and they can't tolerate the grocery store. Just try not to bring them, right? Just don't bring them to the grocery store. Eventually they'll be able to go to the grocery store, but right now at two and three, their sensory system just can't handle it, right? It's too much um, for them to process. For some kids, not all kids. So so what was your secret? <laughs> um, I think like you said, I, I heard the word traumatizing and I would never want to do that to him. Yeah. I do want him to experience it. 
so he could see if I like it or if I don't like it. We as adults, sometimes we are thrown into situations we may not like, but we are adults and we have that ability. If it becomes traumatizing, walk away from it. Like if I'm in a meeting and I feel like, hey, y'all are coming for me, I can easily get up and walk away. I can remove myself. And as children, they're not able to do that. So I think just making sure it doesn't get too the traumatizing part. If I saw like the tears, we have had, <laughs> my sister took him to see Sesame Street Live. And because she's auntie, she bought tickets for the front row. And as Big Bird gets closer, he gets bigger. And he had a straight meltdown. And she <laughs> called me and said, come get us. The show had just started. She said, come and get us. She said, I tried to take him out. He's not calming down. Come and pick us up. Like we tried it. That's not working. So let's go. I had the same meltdown at the Sesame Street with my kids and left. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> and, and see, the difference there is you're like, OK, this isn't working. Let's go. You didn't know that would happen as opposed to and I want to make clear I wasn't accusing you of putting your child. In no, no, no. <laughs> the post, the issue was she wrote, I have there's a 90 percent chance of meltdown. So you knew going in that what was going to happen. That's the part that I personally, as someone who worked with autistic per people, as someone who's autistic himself, found a bit messed up. It's, you know, something, you know, this is going to result in a meltdown. And the fact that they, and, and then when I brought that up, they're like, well, I'm prepared. Well, what about the child? Like the child's the one melting down, not you. Mm -hmm. All you have to prepare for is the fallout of which the child's one has to go through that. And of course, all the parents came for me because that's always how it goes. Like if, you, if you're if you're the one autistic person pointing out that parents are being selfish, they come for you. That's neither here nor there. I just want to say how awesome, though, I think that is because that is the balance. And that's another thread we see with the really successful parents. I want our listeners to take note. There's this balance of challenging versus traumatizing. Yep. And they, a lot of our successful parents have that ability. And some of it's natural ability, but a lot of it's just using common sense and learning and listening to their child. That's all stuff parents can do. So that's why I wanted to highlight that. But I'm sure Stacey has a bunch of more questions. So I'm sorry for taking up so much time. No, 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 no. no, no. And I was going to say, it could be something simple. Like um, we went out of town with my friends and Joseph was the only kid with the group. And they wanted to eat at a seafood place, which I knew nothing on the menu is for him. Oh, but I can't what I do, either. <laughs> <laughs> right, I either give him what he wants before we get there. So then he can just, he's in chill mode and it's not like, y'all are eating and I'm hungry. And then that becomes a meltdown. Or either I'll, um, if they have fries or something, getting him that and letting him know when we leave here, we're stopping where you want to go. Oh, so, so you're being proactive. Yeah. So you, that, that's another thing. I'm I'm so happy. Like, I, I love that you're on right now. Another <laughs> thing, we talk about this all the time, being proactive. You're like, let me check the menu. Okay, there's nothing right. he eats. Let me make sure he's set up so he's not hungry, so that doesn't become an issue. Or we'll make sure we go to someplace you like right afterwards. There's nothing that you're just sort of winging it and hoping for the best, which is mm -hmm. just not going to work. It, it sh you shouldn't do that as a parent normally. Like it's yes. not going to end well, but you really just can't get away with it. With when you have children with special needs, you just you just can't. And I can't impart that enough. I know sometimes a pain in the ass to do a little bit of extra work, yeah. but the work on the front end is going to pay off on the back end. 
But Stacy, do you have some more questions? No, and and in terms of that proactiveness, right? It okay, I'm just gonna stop and pause and you might have to edit because I just got the first picture of my grandbabies. <laughs> that that screaming looking for oxygen, sensory <laughs> overload, put me back in mommy's belly. What the heck's going on in this outside world? Stacy oh. just became a grandmother for the second time. So <laughs> like a, as we're recording, like as we're doing it live, her, her uh, daughter-in-law was given birth. So And I, I already have the girls. Um, uh, I'm like, all right, I got their banners. I got the t-shirts. We're going to go protest. What are we advocating for? Like, I'm going to have two more girls with power. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. All right. So I want to know, you and I were talking a little bit about communication um, earlier because communication is important. Um, and I would like to know in terms of you were talking about when he was on the set. So one of the things that flagged for me is um, I love everything that Chick-fil-A did to support you. The one thing I did hurt here, and it may not have been exactly that way. You said that they asked you what he would like. Did they ever ask him what he would pick? Or did you tell them that they could ask him what he wanted? I told them, like, ask him, he'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Which I have to do that um, a lot. I have a friend, she's here with me, but <laughs> I have a friend, she's probably the one that talks directly to him the most. Um, every day she asks him, what did he do at school? And it would be math. So she finally said, okay, Joseph, tomorrow, I don't want to hear about math. I want to hear about another subject. Mm -hmm. So now he lays out every subject when he talks to her. <laughs> to oh, you her you for it. Yeah, but she, it's like, she demands, like, talk to me. I know you can talk to me. Yeah. So what, what I'm hearing from all the little bits and pieces of what you're saying in combination of what Torin said, going back to when you said, when you asked me, Torin, Tell me a little bit about, I'm like, now, you know, all I can say is she's awesome mom who did the work. Awesome mom who did the work. Like, I don't even know how to wrap that up, that up in a bow. Um, but one of the things that you said um, that I try to help parents understand, and apparently you just have a really good instinct for, for doing things that are out of respect for your child as an individual is people do that all the time. They talk to the parent and the child is standing there. And I say all the time, your autistic child is aware of their surroundings. They're aware that you're ignoring them and they're aware that you're not recognizing them as a human being that can actually communicate for themselves in whatever way they communicate. So it is very important for parents to do exactly what you did, which is you can ask him, right? But sometimes parents, because when their children are younger and they're trying to protect them, you get into the habit of answering for them before they can, and it's hard to shift. So do you remember when you shifted and recognized, you know, because he was diagnosed at 18 months. So like, okay, I, I, I can now let him sort of take the, the lead on that. Or was that always the case? <laughs> um, He told me like, even now, He'll say, mommy, I can do it. Like, he'll just tell me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, let me back up. Even if I see him struggling with it, he rather, it's like he has to finish the task. So he would rather struggle through it to get to the end than me step in like, hey, let me help you. Unless it's really something like folding sheets. And then he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, folding <laughs> sheets is rough. That, that kid's going places. That's, that's. <laughs> 
it's great parenting, but that's also just like natural instinct on his part that he's someone who he wants, he craves his independence, at least in that small measure. And he wants to be, he wants to be able to challenge himself and, and uh, finish these tasks. And I think that that's really great. And it's good that you encourage that. I wonder where he gets that from mama. Does he get that from? <laughs> I think he is going to be an initiator like his mama. So thinking in terms of um, we were talking about communication, but I wanted you to, oh my gosh, we were talking about, there was something I wanted you to share that we were talking device? about. No, no, it wasn't about the device. Oh, I just had it in my head. I'm so sorry, listeners. Um, we talked about communication and then you were telling me about the school. Can you share a little bit? Because I've never heard of that type of non-traditional school. And I'd like to know more because and I'd like for the listeners to know more, because if we don't know what exists, we don't know what to ask for in our own area. So here, the name of the school is Nashville Big Picture High School. I just recently found out there's like um, other big pictures around the around the country. So I'm not sure which cities they are, but it is like a network of big picture schools. So they attend Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. They attend school for their academic classes. And then on Tuesday and Thursday, they go out into the community and do internships. And they are responsible for finding out all of this. Like they have to create the resume and interview and find the person that they want to partner with and even choose like, well, is this a partnership that I want? If not, I have to keep looking. They have to track their attendance and their um, hours and their work. And they do a lot of family connected activities. So every quarter I go to a family meeting and Joseph has to lead the meeting and tell us like what he's working on, what all of his grades are, what his strengths and weaknesses are. Um, and so they do the front part preparation and help him put that into his iPad so he can have the conversation once I show up for the meeting. So it's very small. Like last year, their graduating class only had 36 kids. Mm -hmm. So it's a very small, non-traditional high school. Um, I just like what I see. Like they give them the job experience in ninth grade instead of waiting to 12th grade to get that opportunity and they can change. So once they finish whatever this internship, um, like one student, she was a dog groomer. Next semester, she may be in a recording studio. Next semester, she may try her own clothing line with another clothier. So, yeah. So all across the country. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So tell, share with our listeners what Joseph is doing for his internship. So Joseph is working with one of my former students that has her own event and wedding planning business. And he is working with her to plan the next bowling for autism awareness event that nice. we do annually. So this year it's his responsibility. So I do try and co-navigate. So I drove him to the bowling alley and asked to speak to the manager and what he could not figure out. I kind of try and, hey, this is what he's trying to say. <laughs> so I kind of do that part. He does way better if he can email back and forth with the person. 
because then it's just you reading the text on there. But I still want to have him to have that in-person experience too. So he's done with that part. And now he's trying to decide his t-shirt design and colors and themes and all of that. That is so, I love that idea for school. First of all, those are ideas that I wish they did at every high school (laughs) for every kid, giving them hands-on experience. They used to. They used to. They don't anymore. Mm-hmm. Now how it works is, I don't mean to get into to a whole spiel, but now how it works effectively, you go, you learn a bunch of useless crap and you go to college and you get entry into professional managerial class. And if you don't go to college, you're kind of screwed. But that's neither here nor there. What I love is it, it it's giving him hands-on experience that's going to help him. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's going to actually give him an advantage over even some of his other neurotypical peers who are in high school learning useless crap and yeah. don't have those real world skills, don't have those things to actually translate into jobs. So I'm, I just love that so much. Someone who is in special ed where in most special ed settings and most inclusive settings, the strategy is we're just going to dumb down the useless crap that everybody else is learning. So it's an even worse version of what regular students are going through, neurotypical students. So I'm just excited there are places like that 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 are doing that. And hopefully they they expand that and work with all different types of students because that could really be great. Um, That that gets me excited. It gives me hope. It gives me hope. And Mm -hmm. hopefully listeners, you know, this is how we get ideas of things to start. Is the school a public school, private school? Do they have to apply? It's public school. They do have to apply. It's a, um, you apply through our, we have school options. So depending on where you are, if they have space open, students can apply and go anywhere. Like neighborhood schools are kind of a thing of the past here. They just put in almost like a lottery. And if you're chosen, you go, but big picture gets to choose their own schools. They don't go into the same lottery as the regular public school system. And you have to do, it's a family interview. Everything is like family centered. And I love his school because their motto is we are the kindest, most compassionate school in MNPS. And that's what I see. So it works for me. (laughs) And is the school, are the students, um, is it specific to students with an IEP? Is it specific? It's for any children in the school, in the city that want to apply that are eligible. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. As a matter of fact, I think Joseph, so Joseph is not on regular diploma. He's on alternate academic diploma. Yes. And so he is their first student that's been on alternate academic with the principal that's there now. So I do like the fact they're trying to figure it out. They're like, give us some time. We're going to figure this out. (laughs) Good, 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 good. good. That's exciting. All right. So I'm going to go to communication. (laughs) Um, Only because we were just kind of chatting about it. And then I want to talk about your nonprofit before we finish. Um, But just really briefly in terms of just for our listeners to get an idea, because a lot of times. Um, you know, parents may be hearing this and thinking, oh, you know, her child's probably, you know, efficiently verbal, you know, look at Torin, Torin's talking and my child's not there, right? So can you give a little insight just based on what you and I were talking about into his 
various methods of communication and how he adapts and adjusts so that everybody gets an idea. Because I think it's important for listeners to know it's not just verbal people who talk a lot and engage who can do, right? Um, You can have different ways of communicating and still do what Joseph does. And I am excited. I might have to drive to this bowling event. All right. It's only six hours for me. I might have to put it on my my calendar. (laughs) Well, with Joseph, I do want to say he's, he's not that verbal unless he's motivated to be that verbal. Like the most anybody else may get out is good. Okay. Chick-fil-A is like the, it's not full sentences unless he's motivated. So if I'm in Old Navy and I'm having a good shopping time, the other time I went, he said, what is taking you so long? (laughs) So he can, when he's in frustration, those sentences come out. His grandma asked him the other day, I can't see the TV. What are you? He said, I am trying to make my bed. Like that is when you get the full blown sentences from him. But, um, his communication, he uses his iPad, which he has one for personal use and he has one for school. Um, for school, he uses a SnapType Pro. Um, what do you call it? Like software. He it's uses an that. An iPad. It's yeah. awesome. It is an awesome program. I requested it for his high school iPad because he had it for middle school, but he's able, if they put a Venn diagram on the board, he's able to take a picture of it and then he can type it in because writing, it takes him so, so, so long. So being able to type in something is easier for him to do. And then homework, they can send me home the blank worksheets and he like he's on his own. He'll take a picture of the blank worksheet and then get your textbook and find the information to plug into your worksheet. So he's it. able to do that. So mm-hmm. I want to I want to pause you for a second in terms of this app. So um, SnapType is an app that a mother of an autistic kiddo developed because of the handwriting. And, you know, I know that sometimes people feel like, oh, you know, we have to use our handwriting. OK, I didn't say that. You don't need to maybe learn handwriting, but it it should not be interfering in a child being able to demonstrate what they know. Mm -hmm. And so if you can do a Venn diagram, but you can't do the motor planning that comes with handwriting and the word recall, because handwriting requires a lot, proprioceptive, you know, shoulder strength. It's not just writing, right? For those of us who don't have autism or sensory processing differences, it seems really simple. So what I'm hearing is you are supporting his needs so that he can demonstrate his full potential, right? Which is important. Yes. And sadly, I've recommended SnapType in many IEPs and the schools make it seem like we're cheating on the test and they go through a whole thing of why they can't do it. And I'm like, this is why, you know, I don't sleep at night. Like that makes no sense. So, um, and I know I kind of interrupted about the communication. I wanted you to share a little bit about how he adapts in different environments and communicates differently according to who and where? Well, different environments, um, 
for us, if we can't understand what he's saying, he'll just spell it out loud to us. He'll, and then we'll kind of pick up to, oh, okay, that's what you were trying to say. But at school, he'll use his iPad. He might just pull up Google and he'll start typing the word into the search bar in order to communicate that with people um, at school. Um, I don't know. I try and set up his support system for him. So even with some of the students at his school, I know their parents. So I'm like, hey, can you make sure they check on Joe? Mm -hmm. And that's how the conversation will start with them. Got it. And then they'll build their own relationship. But I'm just like, hey, my baby's there. Can you tell your child, go look for my child? (laughs) And then they'll learn him. Like Mm -hmm. elementary, when he left elementary, it was one little boy all the kids went to. Tell me what Joe was saying. But that was his best buddy. So he knew how to figure it out. <laughs> Gosh, Joseph. Joseph is like the star, right? Just yes. <laughs> walking. Everybody just wants to be next to him. Um, and I think he knows it too. I can see the way he holds himself. Like, yeah, I'm the man. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of the nonprofit, so Joseph is planning this bowling. Do we have a date yet for the bowling event? Uh, we're looking at the first Saturday in April, but he has to follow up with the bowling alley manager in January because they have right. kid leagues. So we don't want to be on a day where we can't get the lanes that we need. Ah, got it, got it, got it. So he's planning this event. And what are some other things that Joseph has done or does he take an active role in the nonprofit regularly? Or is this his first like big contribution besides participating he he takes a role in when we go live before the series because i noticed like with our (laughs) analytic the analytics Mm -hmm. with that i get more response when joseph is on so we use him Like Joseph, get out here and invite everybody. To oh my gosh, we need Joseph on the podcast. Joseph, come <laughs> over here and bring your fans with you. <laughs> <laughs> so he does like one year. I just taped him live in the back seat of the car, and he was like, "Come on, come on, go bowling with us." And it's like so many people respond because it's him. So I think he gets more of a reaction than anybody else on our board. So that's what we try. We try and bring, or we'll say. There'll be a special guest there and not tell them and they know it's him. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so funny. So I know that we are coming to the end. Torn, do you have any um, last questions, comments, or anything that, this has been so fun. Thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation. Actually, I do. Um, What are, for lack of a better word, what do some of the bad days look like? Because everyone has bad days and we try to focus on the good things and keep positive. But a lot of parents, they struggle when things aren't going well. So mm-hmm. what are some of the bad days? What do they look like and how do you deal with them? Bad days for me or bad days for bad him? Day, I guess bad days for him because bad days for him kind of turn into bad days to the parents too. Um, he, he, well, one of his bad days comes from him not really understanding sarcasm. (laughs) And so, um, when he takes everything literally, and so you could be joking with him 
And if I hear him say, I'm so sad, it'll be that for a while. Cause it's like, he can't bounce back. Like, Hey, they were just playing with you. He can't bounce back from that. It's like, no, I know what they told me and I'm sad. I'm so, so sad. That's his thing. (laughs) I'm so, so sad. I'm like, Joe, like my mom says to him, boy, you bad boy. He's like, I'm not bad. (laughs) And so that'll mess him up for like an hour. Cause he's like, what do you mean? I'm bad. I'm not bad, but he doesn't get, or if you say like, um, if he gives you a correct answer on the work and it's like, shut up, boy. He's like, no, shut up. No, (laughs) shut up. (laughs) So just trying to, yeah, trying to figure out. And so we've been trying to explain to him like what we really mean when we say no. that. You want to know my input on that? Yes. <laughs> Talking about balance. <laughs> my input on that is this is where I say we as the non-autistic individual need to adjust our language because mm. it's hard to change Joseph's literal thinking. That's the way his brain processes. It's literal. Mm-hmm. Just like if somebody has a mechanical thinking or somebody has a numerical, you know, I have lots of dads that I call my XO processors. That's the way they process. They process in graphs. That's the way their brain works. So that's where, and I have to do this. I homeschool um, a 14 year old and I catch myself when I say something and I'm like, Oh, wait, let me change it because I've learned he, because at that literal, and sometimes I forget. Um, but I have sort of trained myself to make adjustments to not only my students, but even some of my autistic friends, because some take everything like they're very, very much more concrete and literal. So it's one of those things where I feel like bridging that gap of the autistic person doesn't need to be the only person to make adjustments. Like those of us need to make adjustments to our language or the way we present things so that he doesn't feel that. Um, because I think, and, and Torin, you can correct me. I think that it's harder to, Joseph is a literal thinker. I mean, that's just his literal thinking and that's going to, his brain's going to always be literal thinking. So that's not a knob to turn and change, but we can make adjustments. Now, I know that's not easy when you have, um, I can see, um, is it the grandmother? I mean, I can see, you know, that old black Southern woman saying, you bet. I mean, I can see the, I mean, I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, but that's where I sort of try to help when it comes to, you know, wanting our kids to want to engage with you more or want to socialize more with their peers, we all have to do a little bit of adjusting as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, kids. And I'm not saying that you guys are doing it wrong. I'm just for the listeners. Um, that's one of the things I talk about a lot. If we want to have successful, inclusive um, environments, we have to make adjustments. Just like, you know, often people will say, if you meet someone and they say, oh, can you stand on this side? Because I'm hard of hearing on this ear. We make adjustments, don't we? Mm-hmm make adjustments. So we make adjustments with people in a wheelchair in the elevator. We make adjustments for people who are visually impaired. And so we, we can make some subtle adjustments for our autistic um, individuals who are very literal thinkers so that they don't have that perseveration of I'm sad, I'm sad, I'm sad, I'm sad. So I'm just throwing that out to the listeners and we can't change grandmas and, and, and aunts. Um, and that- but we did, but we changed it when he was little. I don't know if it's because he looks like a grown man. We feel like we don't have to, but you know, even yeah. like when he was smaller, mm-hmm. go throw that away, and I would have to say, tell him where to put it. 
Because he'll just, okay, you said throw it away. <laughs> That's a really good point, what you just made. That's a really good, you just said, we used to do it when he was little. It's like visual, <laughs> put visual supports and then we think, oh, they're good. They're grown up. They're all on their own. We still got to do it because they're mm -hmm. still autistic and they're still concrete thinkers and mm -hmm. literal thinkers. Um, that's a really wonderful point. We should end on that wonderful point. Are we at time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about that's about perfect. Um, anything else you'd like to say? Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you all. I appreciate this. <laughs> I, no I just I love to have parents um, come on and tell how they did whatever they did because other parents can gain from that. Right. And not just parents, other people in the community who may not necessarily have an autistic child who listen to our podcast, they may be listening to figure out what their company can do. Right. What can my business do um, to sort of better support that um, inclusiveness with autistic individuals. But I, um, I really, really appreciate you coming to talk about um, Joseph and we'll have to get Joseph um, to come on the podcast as well. Um, I would love for him to join um, because I'm sure he has something he might want to contribute to say. Uh, but um, thank you so much. I, I'm, I'm smiling not only because I have this new grandbaby, but because building a community of people who are shifting the narrative is so important to me. And hearing your story just makes me so happy. And thank I'm crying tears of joy. <laughs> <laughs> really, you know, just even toying, getting excited about a school, you know, now we know there's a way to do it differently. And why can't we do it differently? And somebody needs to go to their school and say, let's go to Nashville and see what they're doing. We need to bring that to our community so we can shift the narrative. Right. Um, anyway, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and Stacy, that's why we're working to narrative on everything autism. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming on. This is this is great. Yes. Thank you, Law. See ya. If you'd like to help marginalized youth receive access to books and other learning materials, often inaccessible in many parts of the country, please consider buying the VQ Library of Coffee at Ko-Fi. Link in the description.